Welcome to the Money Focus Podcast. I'm your host, Moses the Mentor. And on this episode, I'm delighted to welcome Nell Latrice. She's the founder and visionary behind Legacy Financial Builders. Nell's dedication to enhancing financial literacy, coupled with her expertise in credit improvement, tax preparation, and budgeting, has transformed countless lives. Her upcoming program, Financial Fund Quest, aims to educate the next generation in K-12. Let's explore her journey and the impacts of her work. So listen in. Thank you for joining the show. And what I always like to start the show off with is to give my guests the floor to talk a little bit about their journey, ultimately how they started their business. So the floor is yours. Oh, I got to start in 2017 doing banking. So I was a personal banker. I seen how credit worked. People got into loans and, you know, their credit scores is bad. They always come in like, how can I, you know, how can I get this a little bit better? So I'm like, cool, let me help you. So I started there and then I kind of pivoted into some financial literacy, but I did start fixing people's credit, showing them how to budget better. I'm just getting some things deleted off to show them, you know, the discipline in order to get that higher credit score that they were looking for. So that's kind of how I got started. Now I work for the federal government. I am a contract specialist. So I am in contracting right now. And then I work on my financial services company. So that's kind of how I got started. So tell us a little bit about your company. What services that you actually offer today and how do you actually help your clients? Okay, so today I'm actually pivoting out of doing credit repair. So right now I am actually in financial literacy and I also do taxes. So my website is ready to go. You can see my children's book on there and my card game. And then I also have a form you can fill out for my tax prep services. It's all linked to my website. And And as far as your uh, financial literacy approach, what are are some things that you specialize? Do you help people with their personal finances? Do you help them with wealth building? What What exactly do you work with? So what I'm doing now, so the whole point is to build a legacy. I want people to be able to be informed on how loans work, credit work. So I'm working with children and adults. So for adults, I actually teach them how to be more financially fit. So we'll pull their credit report. I'll tell them how to read it. We'll go over their finances. I'll help them budget. Just showing them a better way of doing things so they can save money a little bit better. Because I noticed that a lot of people... They just don't know. So my whole goal with that is to teach them the proper way to budget so you can build your legacy and build your wealth. And with children, my whole goal is to start there. You know, we wait till we get older to kind of, get, you know, kind of get in a groove of being financially fit. But I think that it starts with the younger kids. If you teach them while they're young, they're able to soak it all up and then they'll be able to use that into their adult life. You know, they don't have to make those same mistakes that we made with student loans and credit cards and high interest rates with cards and things like that. Yeah. I mean, that makes a lot of sense because, you know, once these kids become adults, they're pretty much bombarded with all these different opportunities to, you know, utilize credit. And if you don't have that foundational knowledge on how to actually use those funds, you pretty much set yourself up for a lifetime of financial pitfalls. Yes, yes sure. So how do you balance the diverse needs of your clients? Honestly, I used to be all over the place because everybody needed something. You know what I'm saying? 
And I felt like it was it was becoming overwhelming. So I'm like, let me pivot. Let me figure out how can I put this all into not into a box, but kind of like contain it a little bit more so I can actually help them. I noticed that people were wanting me to fix their credit, but they didn't know anything else outside of me fixing it. So once it's fixed, then what? You know what I'm saying? So it's like I'm able to now. Like, let's start here. Where's your mindset at with your financials? Where, what are you trying to do? What is your goals? Yeah, we can fix your credit, but then what? You know what I'm saying? So it's like now I come in with a list. What we're doing first, A, B, C, and D. We need to tackle your mindset first and then I'll help you fix your credit because fixing it is not the end all be all. It, it'll go back to being bad if you, you know what I'm saying? If you're still doing the same financial bad that bad habits that you were doing before so did you ultimately like learn about credit were you like your first student or did you always have great credit no so i was my first student and i didn't learn anything about financials when i was young financial literacy i didn't know anything about a credit card or nothing so when i turned 18 you know you get your own college dorms you know let me go ahead and get some credit cards so i got out there started getting credit cards and i did i built my credit score to 787 and i said oh that's pretty easy you know what i'm saying so i'm like i can i can do this so i started building credit then i had got two three four five six credit cards I was able to get a car at 2% interest rate. So I'm like, okay, I could teach people how to do this. So when I started working at the bank seven years ago, that was my thing. And I got in to see how they work firsthand. I'm like, oh man, this is really like, people need to know the hat. You know, they need to know these things that the banks use in order to determine if they're credit worthy or not. So I was able to pick up on some additional knowledge while I was there. Like, oh, let me, let me let everybody know about everything that the banks do so we all can, you know, kind of come up financially. So that's kind of where I started myself. Without giving away all your great secrets, but is there like one that you'll be willing to share that's like a hack for people that can actually help improve their credit? So I always see like these crazy things online that you can do that, oh, do this, do that, your credit would be better. But honestly, it's really, really easy. When you get credit cards and loans, spend on them, pay them back. The goal is is under 30% of your credit profile. But my goal, I always stay between 1% and 3% that reports on my credit. That gives you the, the most scores, um, when you, the most points when you're trying to increase your credit score. So if you always maxing out your credit cards, no, you're always at your utilization rate. No, your credit is not going to get better. You have to be disciplined in order to use it and pay it off. And I usually keep a, a tiny balance. So a little bit can report within that one to 3%. And you will see the most points that way. One to 3% of the utilization to use it? Or are you saying to leave one to 3% to be reported? So if your utilization is 30%, it, it counts of 30% of your score. That's 30% of the points. You want to use the one to 3%. So say if your credit card, you have $500 limit on there. You don't want to use up, you know what I'm saying, the 30% of that. You want to use one to 3% of the 500. That's what you want to report. So that way it's reporting a utilization to your credit report, but it's not putting you over that threshold to where you're losing points. Because credit card companies also don't increase your credit limit if they never see you using it. I usually pay all my bills on my credit card each month to accrue the points, then I'll pay it all the way down and leave like $50 on there. 
And that way it's reporting some usage onto my credit report. Yeah, credit card points. If people actually have a credit card that gives you the cash back, it's wonderful. I mean, you're able to double dip. You're able to benefit from those large purchases, your everyday purchases. So it just makes sense to use your credit card first and then pay back versus using your debit card. But only if you're disciplined. I tell people all the time, they think that credit card money is one free all. I'm going to spend this up and I'll pay them back later. You know what I'm saying? You have to be disciplined when you use a credit card. You cannot just go willy nilly swipe in and then kind of put it off to the side. That's that also puts you in a state of, you know what I'm saying? Being in that cycle of always on somebody. So I make sure I always calculate up my bills on my sheet. And then on my sheet, that's how much I need to pay on my credit card to pay them off. So what are the common misconceptions that you hear about when it comes to credit repair services? Do people come in thinking that you can just swipe a magic wand and get them from 500 to 800 overnight? Oh, yes, they do. They think that I'll be able to just clear their whole report, and get everything off and give me that 800 so I can go get this house or car. It does not work that way. It does not. And another misconception is that you don't have to pay those people. If you owe those people, pay those people their money. The easiest way to get something removed off your credit is a paper delete. Now, you can negotiate that amount that you pay them, but that, I feel like those are the misconceptions, and they always, you know, reciting consumers' codes and all of these things, but it's like sometimes you just have to pay back what you owe, and that's the one of the easier ways to increase your score. Mm-hmm. Talk to us a little bit more about pay for delete. So typically when you're speaking to a creditor, you don't admit that you owe any. You don't admit to it. You really just want to kind of see what they know, kind of see what they can give you. So if you get on the phone with a creditor, you say, um, you know, well, how much if you owe a thousand dollars, like, well, can I pay you two hundred dollars? Like, and they'll kind of meet you. Sometimes they will, they'll be willing to accept your lowest offer. But before they do it, you want to ask them to send you a letter saying that if I pay you that $200, are you going to remove that from my credit report? And you always want to get everything they tell you in writing. So if they agree for to a pay for delete, you pay your money for them to delete something off. You want to make sure they're sending you a letter in the mail. So now that the audience understands the pay for delete process, what is the repercussions of just simply paying the debt without getting the pay for delete locked in? What it'll do is if you do pay them, it'll just report to your credit as a zero balance. Now, reporting as a zero balance is better than reporting with the balance. And that goes for buying a house also. Mm-hmm. Like I bought just another house this past year, 2023. And all they want to see is that you pay those people, <laughs> like just pay them. So it's better to get it off. But if you can't, it's also better for it to at least report as a zero amount owed. Is it actually going to increase the score? Or sometimes you paying them off doesn't increase your score, but they want to see that you pay down. So in your experience, how crucial is effective budgeting for financial stability? So I had to learn this through trial and error. If you don't budget, you're setting yourself a failure in retirement, trying to build up your emergency savings, wanting that spending money for trips. You won't be able to effectively build those accounts when you don't properly budget. And like I said, your budgeting starts with how you think. Sometimes we, well, I don't have enough money to budget. Well, if you don't have enough money to budget, you still want to write everything out and then figure out ways that you can increase your income so you can pay for those things that's on your budget. 
So it's all about thinking in your head, like, okay, I don't have enough money to do this, but how can I get enough money to do this? And when I do, make sure I'm leaving extra money in order to put in my emergency savings, to put in my vacation account, you know, to put in my extra spending account when I want to get some extra things or for Christmas. So it is very important to start out. That's just the bottom of wanting to get started and being financially fit is with your budget. People really say that they make too little to budget. Yes, yes. I've heard and like, oh, I don't have enough money. So, wow. you know, I still have enough money to pay my bills. You know what I'm saying? But when I, I've written out people's budgets with them and noticed where they were spending hundreds of dollars just on stuff that didn't matter. Extra eating out, extra subscriptions, you know, oh, well, I got to get my hair done this time. Well, that might be the money that could have went towards an extra bill. So you just have to put things in perspective for people so they can see that sometimes it's not the money that you're bringing in, but it's how you're spending it. If you have poor financial habits, it doesn't matter if you make a lot of money or you make a load of money. So putting a plan in place just makes a lot of sense. Yes, yes, yes. I always I'm a visual person, so I like to see what I'm doing. And when you see where your money is going, you're able to have more control over what you're doing in your budget. Not always easy. You know, I got a bunch of spreadsheets and trackers and stuff like that to make sure we're always hitting our mark. Yeah. What advice would you give someone who's struggling with financial planning? I would say go to if you're struggling on your own, I would say go to someone that you see is doing well. It's always good to be around people who are doing better than you. So that way you can get help and fix things that you're trying to improve on. And I'd say that. um it's all with discipline. Start small. Don't try to go big. You know, oh, I want to save two thousand dollars this month, but you didn't save fifty dollars last month. So how are you going to then save two thousand dollars? Having those realistic goals and saying, okay, well, from each paycheck, I'm going this month. I'm going to take fifty dollars and put it to the side. And you have to just start with those healthy habits in order to move into the bigger things. Because if you can't conquer the small saving and the small things. There is no way you're going to be a good steward over anything more than what you're getting if you don't take care of what you have now. So that makes a lot of sense. And I'm definitely right on board with you as far as financial literacy for young people. So what inspired you to create the Financial Fund Quest program? Okay, so I'm three children. So I was like, well, man, I want to be able to teach them what I've been learning on my own through trial and error. I want them to grow up already knowing a lot of things that I didn't know. So I was like, well, how can I make this fun and engaging to where that they will understand where it seemed fun to them? Because, you know, kids get bored very easily with anything. So I was like, well, let me create a book and game visuals so I can show them how fun it can be in order to learn new things and to save. And I also wanted to build a legacy for them. I wanted to leave my mark on and pass something down to them. So they can have that residual income coming in. So if I post this on Amazon and get it in stores, that's also money that is able to be passed off to my kids. That was the biggest thing for me. And I also wanted to give back to my community, too, because I grew up in urban schools and urban areas. And I seen we didn't get we didn't learn anything about financial literacy in school at all. So I want to be able to give those things back right in my community, too. What type of topics are you covering in your game? So, like, give us an idea of some of the things that we didn't learn as kids. So I'm right there with you. So uh, what do you cover in your game? So I 
cover a multitude of topics in there. So there are actually flashcards, and I have them right here too. So the flashcards, they cover topics um, over investing. So it tells you it has definitions on them. And you turn it over, it tells you what the definition is. So it has credit bureau, investing, what a capital loss is, what a homeowner is. It goes into all of those financial terms that I didn't learn until I became an adult. So I made sure to put all the wills in there so they can learn those things, you know, at younger and they won't grow up and ask, well, what does this mean? What is what is depreciation? What is appreciation? You know what I'm saying? So that those things are all in my cards and it's 75 cards in there. So it's 75 terms and you're able to make it into a game too. So I put instructions in there, the way to make it fun, you know. Yeah, that all sounds great. That sounds great. And then I know you're targeting kids, but not to be funny, but I think a lot of adults probably can use your game. Yeah. <laughs> so, my uh, aunt said, she was like, I want a copy. And said, I got you, girl. We'll be back after a quick break. If you enjoy the show and would love to be a supporter, head to the episode description and click the link so that you can become a supporter of the show. For as low as $3 a month with no commitment and cancel any time, you can contribute to the success of the show and making sure it's sustainable for years to come. I really appreciate your support. Thank you so much. Back to the episode. Yeah, just understanding stuff like that is really key. So I think that your flashcards is a great tool for young kids, young adults, people of all ages, really. But it's really about how you actually apply that knowledge in your life that matters. So you talked about the impact that you hope to have with your program. Are there any other goals that you're looking to have with your business? Yes, yes. So I actually have a financial literacy curriculum. I will have an online class so that people can sign up of any ages. It's going to be interactive with quizzes, with scenarios. It's going to have all of those things in it. It's geared towards high school, but I'm sure all age groups can use it depending on where you're at with your financial knowledge. So I wanted to be able to create something that I can take back to my community. Here is something that you can use so they can get ready to be financially fit in their adult life. How do you stay up to date with this financial landscape? Like, do you get a bunch of emails every morning? Do you watch CNBC all day? Like, what's your go-to for staying up to date with everything in this financial landscape? I am a big advocate of reading. So I research and read everything. That is number one way to learn anything in any field is to read. Because I know there's a lot of adults miss the fine print because they don't read things that they get. So in order for me to stay up to date with the things that I need to know, I want to know, I just research them. I just look them up. I read multiple articles. I read books. I make sure that every day I'm feeding my brain with the things that I need to know so I can all pass that knowledge that I've learned on to other people. What are some of your favorite books? So I love Rich Dad Poor Dad. That was actually my first books that I read. I also read mindset books. I don't just read financial books because, yes, you can learn everything financial, but if you don't also, you know, have your mindset there, then you won't get that either. So Atomic Habits is a good one that I've seen going around on social media. And I was like, oh, well, let, let me let me pick, let me read that. I'm real interested in that book because I think that getting into the habit of doing things also helps you. You know what I'm saying? 
also get that financial, I guess, independence that you're looking for. Yeah, I'll definitely co-sign both of those that you mentioned. Atomic Habits and Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Those are those are go to's for sure. Foundational, you know, to help with your mindset and help you push through all those distractions. Let's talk a little bit about technology and what role that plays into financial literacy. What do you think technology will actually push through in the years to come when it comes to finances? I think that technology is doing this thing when it comes to financial habits because you're able to get trackers on your phone, reminders, you're able to categorize your bills on certain apps. You can get on QuickBooks, keep up with your expenses, mileage. It's so many things that you can do to keep up with your financial health. And also you can check your credit score anywhere now. You know what I'm saying? I know that all of them are not accurate, but it still gets you in a ballpark. It still lets you know what you're doing right and wrong. You have everything at your fingertips to take a class, to look at your credit card statement. There is no reason why something should be late. That's always my thing. Like, you should have a calendar with your duties on it and pay it early. If you don't want to do auto pay, pay it early. I know you mentioned credit score and how important it is to know your score on certain apps. Do you have one that you actually recommend? Because I've heard some horror stories with certain ones. Yes, I actually use the Experian app. So on the Experian app, you can actually connect to all three. They'll give your credit score and your reports. You have to pay for it. It's $25 a month, but it's worth it because I also keep my credit frozen. So until I'm ready to apply for something, I'm able to go on the app and freeze my report and then I'll freeze it when I'm ready to go apply for something. So Experian has been my go-to. I've heard about freezing. So how fast can you unfreeze your account? Like, is it really like a push of a button? Yes, it's literally a push of a button. You can go in there. So they call it thawing. So you'll see like TransUnion. If you go to your TransUnion report and do it, they call it a, a thaw and unthaw. You can set it for days. So if you want to turn it on for just the one day, you can and, and turn it off next week. You can. So and that's in that way, I always recommend that to people because now I feel like it's so easy to get information off the Internet or your social security from number. Your social security is not as private as we think. And, you know, like it used to be, they used to be top secret, you know, don't give your social security number to anybody, which you should, still shouldn't. But it's so easy to look up somebody's information off the internet. So I always recommend keeping your credit report frozen until it's time for you to apply for a purchase or whatever you're trying to do. You might try that because, I mean, the last thing you want to do is work on your credit, get it into good shape, and then someone compromises your credit report. So we're about to head into tax season, and I know you mentioned that you offer tax preparation services. So what are some tips that you can offer to the audience about tax season? I recommend whoever is filing your taxes, please have all of your stuff ready, especially small business owners. Please do not think you're going to take your just your receipts and give them to your tax person. Now, if they're your bookkeeper too, yes. But all tax preparers do not do bookkeeping. So you want to be keeping up with your expenses in QuickBooks so it can generate you a P&L. And that way you can take your P&L to your tax professional. Um, I also recommend, I always keep all my receipts in one place. I recommend an app for that. And then for people who don't have a business, I recommend just making sure you have all your W-2s. Don't try to file. Well, I'll just file without this W-2. Don't do that because the IRS matches up what W-2s was issued versus what you actually put on your report. 
And then I also recommend for people who experience fraud to get a pen from the IRS to use, because I know that some people like to claim other people's kids and this person claimed my kid. In order to avoid those things, you can also request a four-digit PN from the IRS in order for your taxes to be filed. What final thoughts or advice would you like to share with the audience? And also make sure to share your information on how to reach you and your business, like your social media. So the floor is yours. Appreciate you. Okay. So um, the advice that I would like to offer is just start one step at a time and don't be afraid to take risks. I'm a big believer of if you don't take risks, you don't get no reward out of it. So it's okay if you feel a little funny about doing something. That's your intuition telling might be telling you, you know, to go ahead and do it. Because those decisions sometimes are uncomfortable, but those decisions can get you in a better place. So that's what I will tell anybody who is looking to, you know, do something better with their finances, their budgeting, just in their life in general. Take risks. I can be reached at Legacy Financial Builders on Instagram and my products are at LegacyFinancialBuilders.com. So that's where I can be reached at. Or if you want to send me an email, it's info at LegacyFinancialBuilders.com too. I'll make sure to include all your contact information in the show notes so everybody can contact you and keep in touch regarding financial planning and tax preparation. So I really wish you the best and good luck with all your endeavors. So I appreciate you joining the show. Thank you. Now, thank you again for sharing your valuable insights and just your commitment to financial empowerment and education. That's just huge. So I just really want to say thank you again. And to my listeners, remember, before you go, to explore more of this at MosesTheMentor.com. And also, don't forget to subscribe to my YouTube channel, Moses the Mentor, for more content just like this. So until next time, keep focusing on your financial growth and your financial education. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode of the Money Focus Podcast. And if you're a visual person, I have great news for you. You can head over to YouTube and head to my channel, Moses the Mentor, and you'll find every single episode there to watch. You can also look in the description of this video for a link. But again, you can watch this full episode on YouTube, Moses the Mentor. Check me out.